and what is on the other side what is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for those who use these things to earn the akhirah Allah says قُلْ أَوْنَبِّئُكُمْ say O Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa to the people that shall I inform you shall I tell you بِخَيْرٍ مِّنْ ذَلِكُمْ with that which is much better than this with that which is much better than what you have in this dunya much better than the shahwat of this dunya notice the word أَوْنَبِّئُكُمْ Hamza is of istifham and it's a rhetorical question and unabil is from noon by Hamza naba and naba is news that is important and brings benefit to the person as well should I tell you about something that is going to benefit you should I tell you about that which is bikhayrim min dhalikum which is better than that O you all better than what what does dhalikum refer to the shahawat the zina of this dunya we see over here that the Prophet ﷺ is being told, say to the people that should I inform you? Should I tell you? The fact is that the Prophet ﷺ was told to convey everything. He was supposed to tell the people about all of the teachings, all of the commands. So why is he asking? Should I tell you? He was commanded to tell people anyway. We learn in the Quran, Ya ayyuhar rasul, balligh ma unzila ilayk. O Messenger, convey all that which has been revealed to you. So why is this style being used? For the purpose of emphasis. Just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu. Oh, you who have believed. As soon as we hear, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, what happens? Okay, what is being said? What is being commanded? What is being prohibited? So, instead of giving just information through questioning the listener, his interest and his curiosity is being aroused. Do you want to know? Would you like to know? With something that is better than that. I give you, get the best car. And somebody tells you, should I tell you about a car that's much better? Should I tell you about a house that is much better? Should I tell you about a woman who is much more beautiful? قُلْ أَوْنَبِّئُكُمْ بِخَيْرٍ مِنْ ذَلِكُمْ Should I tell you about that which is much better than this? Decide for yourself. Do you want to know? Allah is asking us. Do you want to know? There is something better than what you desire of the dunya. And what is it? لِلَّذِينَ تَقَوْ For those people who have taqwa. Notice, it's not just amanu. What is it? اِتَّقَوْ Because what does taqwa mean? That you live a life of consciousness. That you live a life of being conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Does my Rabb like this? Does Allah like this? Would He approve of this? Is this going to take me closer to Him? Or is it going to bring His anger upon me? If I do this, would it make Him happy? If I do this, would it make Him happier? This is what taqwa is. That a person chooses that which Allah likes. Which Allah likes more. Because many times we get lost when it comes to good deeds. We say, yes, yes, earning money through halal way, using money through halal way, that is also good. That is also obedience to Allah. But we forget that spending time in the way of Allah, that is much better. Similarly, there are different levels of good deeds. So taqwa, consciousness of Allah, fear of Allah, is what leads us to choosing that which is best. Choosing that which is more beloved to Allah which is more liked by Allah. So, لِلَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْ For those people who live a life of consciousness. 
Near their Lord, they will have Jannat. They will have gardens. Jannat is a plural of Jannah. And what does it mean by Jannat? Plural has been used. Gardens. You see, when it comes to Jannah, Jannah is not just the name of paradise, but rather Jannah is used for the gardens of paradise, and it's also used for the different levels of paradise. It's used for the many gardens in paradise, and it's also used for the different levels of paradise. So for those people who have taqwa, who live with taqwa, with their Rabb, near their Lord, they will have Jannat. So a person who lives a life fearing Allah in this dunya, using the things that Allah has given him in the right way, in a way that is lawful, what will he have in the hereafter? Nearness to Allah. So we see that these things that Allah has given us, they are a means of attaining the closeness of Allah as well. It's up to you. Do you use them to go far from Allah or do you use them to go closer to Allah? Those who live with taqwa, they will attain closeness to Allah. And what is that closeness? عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ jannat. Near their Lord, Jannat. Jannah, that is close to Allah. What Jannah is this which is close to the Arsh of Allah? Which is beneath the Arsh of Allah? Jannatul Firdaus. And notice Jannat has been used. That they will have not just one garden, but many gardens. And we see that Jannah has different levels. Has many, many levels. From a hadith we learn that it has 100 levels. And the distance between each level is a distance of traveling 500 years. The Prophet ﷺ said, and between each heaven and the other, there is a distance of travel of 500 years. And the thickness of each heaven is a distance of travel of 500 years. They will have Jannat. But with Jannat, those that are closest to Allah. They will be that close to Allah, that near to Allah. We learn from another hadith. The Prophet ﷺ said, The one who was devoted to the Qur'an will be told on the day of resurrection, Recite and ascend. Keep reading and ascend. As you read, ascend in the ranks of Jannah. As you used to recite when you were in the world. And your rank will be at the last ayah that you recite. Aisha radhiallahu because of this hadith, she used to say, that the number of levels of Jannah is the same as the number of the ayat of the Qur'an. That depending on where you stop, how many verses you know, wherever you stop, that is the level that you will get. That is the level that a person will be in. And what is Jannah like? Is it really important to get to Jannah? Because Allah says, they will have Jannah. A person might say, okay, gardens. What am I going to do there? Literally people think like this in this world Why am I going to go to a garden? I'd rather go to a mall People say like that But is it really important to get to this Jannah? Yes Why? Because this Jannah is the Jannah of hereafter It's not the Jannah of this dunya We learn from Surah Al-Fussilat Ayah 31 وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَشْتَهِ أَنفُسِكُمْ وَلَكُمْ فِيهَا مَا تَدْعُونَ and you will have therein whatever your souls desire. Anything that you want, anything that you feel like, anything that you wish for. Just think of the things that you want, you desire, you love. You will have that in Jannah. And you will have therein 
whatever you request or wish. Anything that a person requests, anything that a person wishes for, he will have that in Jannah. Surah Ali Imran, Ayah 133, we learn, ila rabbikum, And hasten to forgiveness from your Lord. وَجَنَّةٍ And a garden, meaning rush to it, strive to get to it. What is this Jannah? What is this garden? عَرْضُهَا السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضِ As wide as the heavens and the earth. It's that huge. Such a huge property. As wide as the heavens and the earth. But who is it prepared for? وَعِدَّتْ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ It has been prepared for those who are righteous. So, those people who live a life of consciousness, who live a life of fear of Allah, who don't get lost in these shahawat, but rather they use them to attain closeness to Allah, they will be in Jannah in the hereafter. What else is in Jannah? We learn from a hadith in Bukhari that in paradise there are two gardens. The utensils and contents of which are made of silver. And two other gardens, the utensils and contents of which are made of gold. You know how you go to a particular place and there's a theme? A theme of that everything is of that particular color or that particular style. For example, if the theme is pink, everything's going to be pink. Or if the theme is of water, there will be a lot of water. If the theme is of different colors or of wood or different fabric or different material, you will go to that place and everything will be of that theme. So similarly, two gardens, everything is going to be of silver. Two other gardens, everything of gold. And nothing will prevent their inhabitants from seeing their Lord except the curtain of majesty over his face. Nothing will prevent the residents of these gardens from what? From seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except the curtain of majesty over his face. Meaning, whenever Allah wishes to show himself to these people, he will show them. From another hadith in Bukhari, we learn that in paradise there is a tree. How huge is this tree? Whose shade is so vast that a rider can travel for a hundred years in its shade. A rider can travel in the shade of this tree for a hundred years. Also we learn from another hadith. The Prophet ﷺ was asked about the buildings of paradise. And he replied, bricks of gold and silver. Bricks of gold and silver. Imagine. Another explains pebbles of pearl and sapphire and soil of saffron. That even the soil is fragrant. This is what Jannah is. And you're going for the dunya. You're getting lost in the shahawat of the dunya which are so temporary that even if you try to enjoy them, you can't fully enjoy them. You could have everything in this dunya but if your head is hurting, nothing is going to bring you pleasure. But Jannah, look at what Jannah has. Everything that you could possibly desire for. Another hadith tells us that in Jannah, there is a market. There is a marketplace in Jannah. To which people will come every Friday. The northern wind will blow and shower fragrance on their faces and clothes. So a wind will blow and it will shower upon them fragrance. Where? On their faces and their clothes. And consequently, it will enhance their beauty and loveliness. Every time they will go to that mall, they will go to that marketplace, they will come back more beautiful. And in this dunya, you go to the mall and you come back tired and exhausted, sweating. This is what Jannah is. You can't compare it to the dunya. What is Allah saying over here? It is khayrun, it is much better. But for who? 
for those who live a life of taqwa innal ladina amanu wa amilu salihat those people who believe and do something as well do righteous deeds as well inna la nudhiru ajra man ahsana amala we will not allow to be lost the reward of any who did good in his deeds what else is in jannah tajri min tahtiha al anhar beneath which rivers flow khalidina fiha abiding therein eternally once they enter it they're never going to be told to leave it's a place where they will live eternally and they will not be alone but they will have companions what kind of companions wa azwajun and spouses plural of the word zawj that are mutahhara that are clean the word mutahhara is from the root letter tahara and what does tahara mean cleanliness mutahhara one that is completely clean and pure so spouses that are completely clean and pure how physically in the tangible sense as well as in the intangible sense that physically in their physical bodies they're completely clean they smell good they look good they look very beautiful and in the intangible sense internally as well they're also clean how are they clean in their mentality in their thinking in their speech in their manner in their behavior their hearts are clean they don't keep grudges they don't keep bad feelings they don't keep envy and hatred in their heart for you and show something else on the surface no azwajun mutahhara and as for the rivers of jannah we see that the rivers of jannah there are various types with drinks the drink of the rivers will actually be something that a person can drink and enjoy it's not just water what do we learn from the quran that there is honey rivers of honey rivers of milk rivers of wine and rivers of water as well khalidina fiha wherein they will abide eternally and as for eternity we see that once a person will enter jannah then he will not become old he will not become tired he will not become bored he will not wish to leave jannah it's like when children go to a particular place they go to a theme park no matter how tired they are no matter how hungry they are they don't want to go home similarly people go on a vacation they live in a hotel they live at a resort and they don't want to leave but they have to leave but jannah they will be khalidina fiha abada abiding there eternally the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said whoever enters paradise is blessed with a life of joy he will never feel miserable he will never be sad he will never be upset he will never be sorrowful his clothes will never wear out his youth his youthfulness will never fade away he will never become old people are so conscious about their bodies now i'm getting wrinkles i should use anti-aging products i need to exercise to stay fit to look young i need to drink more water i need to do this i need to do that people are so conscious about their bodies and no matter what they do still their bodies wear out they grow old they lose their beauty but in jannah their youth will never fade away and the best thing is that in jannah there are purified spouses clean physically and also clean in the intangible sense no jealousy no hatred no grudges no deficiencies clean and best of all waridwan min allah and pleasure of allah approval of allah What is Ridwan? Ridwan is from Radadiyah. Remember all of these words that we have done? For instance, Radiyallahu anhum. That's also from Radadiyah. 
Mardat That is also from Radadiya Ridwan This is also from Radadiya And what does it mean? To be pleased To be happy To be satisfied But the word Ridwan You see the Alif Nun at the end? Just as you see in Rahman The Alif Nun at the end It indicates Mubalagha So what does it mean? It's not just approval It's not just pleasure But it is Kathir al-Ridat it is much pleasure to be extremely happy, to be completely satisfied. Kathir. وَرِضْوَانَ مِنَ اللَّهِ An approval from Allah. So what does it mean? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure and approval will descend on these people, on the people of Jannah. So that He will never be upset with them again. Allah will never be upset with the people of Jannah again. What happens in this dunya? We do a good deed, we feel so happy, we feel so close to Allah. And then what happens? We say something that we shouldn't have said. We do something we shouldn't have done. We make a mistake. And then we're worried. My last Ramadan was so good. My last year was so good. My last month was so good. But this month, this week, I don't know what's going on. This is what dunya is. But in Jannah, once people enter Jannah, Allah will be eternally happy with them. He will never be upset with them again. We learn from a hadith in Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah will say to the people of paradise, O people of paradise, they will say, لَبَّيْكَ رَبَّنَا وَسَعْدَيْكَ وَالْخَيْرُ فِي يَدَيْكَ لَبَّيْكَ, O our Lord, and سَعْدَيْكَ And all the good is in your hands. Allah will say, هَلْ رَضِيتُمْ Are you happy? Allah will ask them, Are you happy? Are you satisfied? And they will say, Why shouldn't we be satisfied, O our Lord, as you have given us what you have not given to any of your created beings? You have given us everything that we desire, everything that we want, everything that we long for. He will say, Shall I not give you something that is better than that? They will say, O our Lord, what else could be better than that? Meaning, is there really something better than this? And Allah will say, أُحِلُّ عَلَيْكُمْ رِضْوَانِي فَلَا أَسْخَطُ عَلَيْكُمْ بَعْدَهُ أَبَدًا I bestow my pleasure on you and will never be angry with you after that. I will never be upset with you after that. Which is why we learn in the Qur'an that وَرِضْوَانُ مِنَ اللَّهِ أَكْبَر The pleasure of Allah the approval of Allah That is the greatest There is no other blessing That could be greater than that Because a person could have everything In life But if he has not made Allah happy with him If Allah is not happy with that person Then what good are those blessings And you see the levels of reward The levels of pleasure One is to have the shahwat of this dunya What does Allah say? Should I tell you about something that is much better than that? What is much better than that? Jannat. And in Jannah, when people will have everything, Allah will ask them, Should I give you something better than this even? You see the levels? And what is it that's much better than even the reward and enjoyment of the dunya? The pleasure of Allah. The fact that Allah will never be upset with them again. As for the Sahaba, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they were given this good news even in the dunya. Radiallahu anhum anhum. That Allah is happy with them and they are happy with Him. And at the time of death, what will be said to a righteous soul? Ya ayyatuhan nafsul mutma'inna. All reassured soul. All soul that is mutma'inna. What does it mean by mutma'inna? That which is happy and content with what? 
with the decrees of Allah, with the decisions of Allah, with the commands of Allah, with the prohibitions of Allah, with the obligations that Allah has laid upon us. As Muslims, that we have to worship Him and also that we have to serve His deen. That when we serve the deen, we're not doing a favor to the deen, but rather it's an obligation upon us. So mutma'inna is a soul, is a person who is satisfied with the commands of Allah, with the obligations that Allah has put on that person. And being satisfied doesn't mean, okay, fine, I accept. But what does it mean? That a person does his best as well. The best of his ability. So this person will be told at the time of death that irji'i ila rabbiki Return to your Lord. How? Radiyatan, well-pleased. Mardiyah, and pleasing. Pleasing and well-pleased. Meaning, you are made happy and you have also made Allah happy. فَدُخُلِي فِي عِبَادِي And enter among my righteous servants. وَدُخُلِي jannati And enter my paradise. What does Allah say? وَاللَّهُ بَصِيرٌ بِالْعِبَادِ And Allah is seeing of His servants. Allah watches His servants. Allah observes His servants. Ibad is a plural of abd. And abd includes every single creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether they submit to Him or they don't submit to Him. Every single creation of Allah is included in abd. What does Allah say? Allah watches every person. And notice Basir has been mentioned. Not Samir. Basir. That Allah is watching your actions. What are you doing amongst all of these shahawats? What are you doing with these shahawats? Are you getting lost in them? Are you so obsessed with them that you're neglecting the deen of Allah? You're neglecting your obligation to Allah? Or are you using them to attain the pleasure of Allah? Wallahu basirun bil ibad. Allah is watching. Allah is seeing who is running after the dunya and who is striving to make his akhirah. Allah is watching who has forgotten Allah and who wants the pleasure of Allah. Allah is watching. Allah is aware. Recitation. قُلْ أَأُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِخَيْرٍ مِّن ذَلِكُمْ لِلَّذِينَ اتَّقَوْا عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ جَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا وَأَزْوَاجٌ مُطَهَّرَةٌ وَرِضْوَانٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ بَصِيرٌ بِالْعِبَادِ So who are their ibad? Al-lazina, those people who يَقُولُونَ They say What do they say? Rabbana, O our Lord, innana amanna. Indeed, we have believed. They say, what does it mean by this that they say? Meaning they say in their hearts. This is what their belief is. And they say by their tongue. Meaning they make this dua. They declare this openly. What? That innana amanna. Indeed, we have believed. How have we believed? We have believed in iman that is kamil. Complete iman. Not incomplete iman, but complete iman. We believe in our hearts, we affirm with our tongues, and we do in our actions. Those who say, 
Our Lord, indeed we have believed. فَغْفِرْ لَنَا ذُرُوبَنَا So forgive for us our sins. Why? Because we have believed. وَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ And save us from the punishment of the fire. So because of our faith in you, because of our iman in you, because of our iman in what you have commanded us with, and because we do that, we follow that, therefore forgive us our errors and shortcomings. So we see that a true servant is the one who, despite having iman, recognizes and realizes his shortcomings, his sins, his mistakes. He knows that despite his work, despite his effort, there are some aspects in which he lags behind. There are some things that he should not be doing. Or there are some things that he must be doing. It is only Iman that makes a person realize his mistakes. And when a person realizes his mistakes, then he seeks forgiveness for them. We also learn from this dua that Iman is a means of forgiveness. Because look at the dua. رَبَّنَا إِنَّنَا آمَنَّا لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا Because we have believed, therefore forgive us our sins. We believe in what you have commanded. We believe in what you have told us to do. We believe in what you have prohibited. And what you have commanded us to believe in. We believe in it. And Iman is not just saying by the tongue, but it's belief in the heart that is also proven by the actions. So as a result of this Iman, forgive us. Who are these people? As-sabirin. Those who are patient. Plural of sabir. And who is sabir? One who does sabr. What is sabr? To control oneself. At what time? At the occasion of calamity. Secondly, at the time of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when a person is obeying Allah, he needs sabr. Why? To continue in obedience. And thirdly, when it comes to Staying away from haram. Staying away from disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we see that sabr is of three types. First of all, sabr on hardships. That for example, if a person is suffering from a particular disease, if a person is suffering from a certain calamity, from something that he does not like, from something that he finds very difficult, from something that he finds very overwhelming, he doesn't like it. It's very difficult for him to bear. What is sabr? To hold yourself at that time. To not let yourself give up at that time. To make yourself go on at this time. And then the second type of sabr is on obedience. To have steadfastness. To be constant when it comes to obeying Allah. Not doing something good when you really feel like it. And when you don't really feel like it, you don't do it. That's not what sabr is. Sabr is that once a person has said I am going to do it Then he is consistent He is constant He doesn't give up He doesn't stop And remember That the moment you intend to do something good You are going to be tested You are going to be tested Sometimes it's going to be a headache Sometimes it's going to be something what people say Sometimes it's the circumstances There is always something or the other that comes So that Allah tests you If you are really committed to obeying Allah and then sabr also when it comes to disobedience. That a person holds himself back from disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this especially is needed when it comes to shahawat, when it comes to desires. 
especially those that which are wrong meaning a person must not fulfill them a person must not pursue them for example we learn of a hadith in which the seven people who will be under the shade of Allah on the day of judgment one of them is who a man who is called by a woman of beauty and position for what for zina but what does he say i fear allah so sometimes these shahawat they are wrong but they tempt us they attract us and at this time what is sabr to stop yourself from indulging in these things and sometimes a shahwa may be halal it may be permissible but you want to indulge in it excessively you just want to keep eating and eating you don't feel like fasting despite the fact that you have so many fasts you know that you have to make up for so in these situations also what is required is sabr what other qualities do they have was-sadiqeen and those who are truthful sadiqeen is a plural of sadiq who is sadiq one who speaks sadiq one who speaks the truth what is sadiq when the heart and the tongue do not have any contradiction between the two when the heart and tongue are on the same page there is no contradiction between the two and remember that truthfulness sadiq is not just in qawl it is not just in words it's not just in statements that whenever a person speaks he speaks only the truth no it's also in actions what does it mean by that that his actions are according to his words that when he says something he does it when he gives his word he fulfills the commitment he fulfills the promise as-sadiqin those who are true and remember that truthfulness is required meaning a person should be truthful with himself he is to be truthful with other people and also with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes we make promises with people or with ourselves and what do we do we don't fulfill them afterwards and over here rabbana innana amanna we have believed we have iman what does iman mean that a person now will do certain things and will stay away from certain things as a muslim ummah as ummatan wasatan what is our responsibility to serve the deen of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's a part of iman so what is sidq then that a person is true to his commitment a person fulfills his commitment he is true to his rabb that i made this commitment i made this promise i said i was going to do it now he does it wasadiqin والقانتين and those who are constantly obedient plural of qanit who is qanit one who is constantly obedient and he is also obedient with humility with humbleness والقانتين so what does it mean by qanitin muti'in meaning those who are obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala those who have consistency in their worship and when they obey Allah when they worship Allah how do they do so with humility والمنفقين and those who spend منفقين is a plural of منفق who is منفق one who does infaq remember this is not nifaq nifaq is hypocrisy this is infaq which is to spend so منفقين those who spend where do they spend in fulfilling shahawat where do they spend only in the way of Allah and they forget their haq there is balance and what is that balance We learn in Surah Al-Furqan, Ayah 67, لَمْ يُسْفِفُوا وَلَمْ يَقْتُرُوا وَكَانَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ قَوَامًا When they spend, they do not do so excessively or sparingly. They're not extravagant. 
nor are they stingy. But between that, justly moderate. So where do they spend? They spend on the necessities, on the needs. Whose needs? Their own and their families, the relatives and the orphans and the travelers, the needy. So this includes the fard spending. That which a person must spend to fulfill his needs, his family's needs, his spouse, his children, his parents, his relatives, the poor, the needy. Secondly, spending on who? Where? In the way of Allah. And what is that? To spend on the need of Muslims. So basically we can divide spending in two. One is to spend on the needs of human beings. To feed the hungry, to clothe the poor, to feed your own self, to feed your own family, to provide education to your family, to yourself. This is what? Spending on individuals. Spending on the necessities of people. And the second type of spending is to spend on the needs of Muslims. To spend on the needs of the Muslim community. That is feasibility. For example, if a person is spending on the poor people, meaning he gives them food. Okay, that's very good. Of course, that is necessary. But when he feeds the hungry person, who is he helping? Only one person. But when he spends on the masjid, then who is he helping? Many people. And is he just helping the people with their dunya? No. He is helping them with their dunya and also with their akhirah. So wal munfiqeen, those who spend on individuals and also to serve the Muslim community. And remember, when it comes to spending, it's not just about spending money. It's about spending your time. It's about spending your energy. The strength that Allah has given you. The time that Allah has given you. The ability that Allah has given you. The talent that Allah has given you. Spending that as well. On who? On people and especially for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, وَالْمُسْتَغْفِرِينَ بِالْأَسْحَارِ And those who seek forgiveness in the last hours of the night. Mustaghfirin is the plural of mustaghfir. Who is mustaghfir? One who does istighfar, one who seeks forgiveness. So those who seek forgiveness at what time? Ashar. Ashar is the plural of sahar. And sahar is the time before daybreak. It's a time of suhoor. It's the time before you pray fajr salah. From the time that fajr begins, the sahar, it comes to an end. So they seek forgiveness at the time of ashar as well. Why do they seek forgiveness? Why? They're doing so many good deeds. Why do they seek forgiveness? Think of it. Because as we learned in the previous ayah, that a person who truly believes, a person who wants to please Allah, then he can see his mistakes. He can see his shortcomings. Many times when we're doing something good, we focus only on the good deeds that we've done. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And we forget that maybe we have done something that is going to wipe off all of the good deeds that we have done so far. It's quite possible. So a person who truly believes, a person who truly wishes to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he wants to be on the safe side. And in order to be on the safe side, along with doing good deeds, what is he doing? He's also seeking forgiveness. We say, I don't commit any sins. 
I don't eat any haram. But we don't even realize and we commit so many sins. And if you look over here, it hasn't been said, وَالْمُسْتَغْفِرِينَ Those who seek forgiveness. A particular time has been mentioned. Those who seek forgiveness at the time of Ashar. Why Ashar? Why not morning? Why not Fajr? Why not night? Why not all day long? Isn't all day long much better instead of just one part? Why Ashar? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the lowest heaven. We learn from a hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, every night, when the last third of it remains, because sahar is what? Right before fajr. So it's the last part of the night. When the last third of it remains, our Lord, the Blessed, the Superior, descends to the lowest heaven. And He says, Is there anyone to ask me so that I may grant him his request? هَلْ مِنْ سَائِلٍ فَأُعْطِيَهُ is there any sa'id, any beggar, anyone who wants something so that I may give him? هَلْ مِنْ دَاعٍ فَأَسْتَجِيبَ لَهُ Is there anyone to invoke me so that I may respond to his invocation? هَلْ مِنْ مُسْتَغْفِرٍ فَأَغْفِرَ لَهُ Is there anyone seeking my forgiveness so that I may forgive him? So this is a time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the lowest heaven and He asks, does anyone want something? Anyone wants forgiveness? Anyone has a dua? This offer is made to you every night by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every sahr. Every sahr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks. And what are we doing? This is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us every time. And sometimes, you see what happens is, we wake up, in the middle of the night Maybe we had a dream Or maybe there was a loud sound Or maybe somebody woke up And because of them you woke up It's possible It happens And if you're not praying You can still do istighfar Lying in bed You can still make your dua Lying in bed You can still ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala For something Lying in bed You can still do that But those moments pass away And we're just thinking about Or why we woke up or that you've only slept for some time You wish you could have slept longer These moments pass away every night And we lose these opportunities every night Every sahar The sahar has also been mentioned for another reason And what is that? Mustaghfirina bil ashar Ashar has been mentioned for a particular reason Basically you see It shows that at this particular time when a person is finally doing istighfar it shows that his istighfar has been preceded by qiyamul layl because a person who prays at night and then he seeks forgiveness after praying after praying qiyamul layl why because when you make dua after performing a good deed then the chances of that dua being accepted are very high like we learn in Surah Fatir, Ayah 10, Allah says, إِلَيْهِ يَصْعَدُ الْكَلِمُ الطَّيِّبُ The good word, it ascends to him. وَالْعَمَلُ الصَّالِحُ يَرْفَعُهُ And what is it that lifts up good deeds up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's عَمَلُ الصَّالِحُ So when a person does something good, then his prayer being accepted, the chances are higher. The chances are much higher. So, Ashar have been mentioned in particular over here, and istighfar has been mentioned in particular because it shows that their istighfar is preceded by qiyamul layl as well. So they do qiyamul layl and then finally at the end they do istighfar as well. Wal mustaghfirina bil ashar.
We learn from the two Sahih. Aisha radiallahu said, The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa performed witr during the first part. Initially, he would perform the witr salah when? In the first part of the night. Then, the middle part of the night. And then, the latter part of the night. Then, later in his life, he would perform it only during the last part of the night. Towards the end of his life, the Prophet ﷺ performed the witr prayer when? Only during the last part of the night. And this is something that we can do so easily. Even if you wake up at 15-20 minutes before, that's also a time of sahr. وَالْمُسْتَغْفِرِينَ بِالْأَسْحَارِ Look at the benefit. And if you look at it, it's the shahawat that prevent us, that stop us from getting up at that time. It's the desire to sleep. It's the desire for comfort. But if we overcome these desires, there's something that is much better for us in the hereafter. We also learn about Abdullah ibn Umar that he used to pray during the night. As I mentioned to you, that it shows that they perceive their istighfar by Qiyamul Layl. He used to pray during the night. And he would ask, O oh, Nafir, he was a student, is it the latter part of the night yet? And if Nafir said yes, Ibn Umar would start supplicating to Allah and seeking his forgiveness until Fajr. So he would wait until the last part of the night and when the last part would begin, then he would begin doing istighfar especially. Recitation. الذين يقولون ربنا إننا آمنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وقنا عذاب النار الصابرين والصادقين والقانتين والمنفقين والمستغفرين So if you relate these verses with the verse that we learned at the beginning of the lesson, that one is that a person pursues the desires of this dunya. That a person goes after fulfilling his desires. He is lost in the dunya. And the other is that a person is focused on the hereafter. And so everything he has, everything Allah has given him, he uses that to attain his akhirah, to make his akhirah. And part of that is that whatever a person has been given, he benefits from that in a way that it helps him be successful in his deen. For example, in this ayah, munfiqeen has been mentioned. How is a person going to spend his time or his money or his wealth or his energy in the way of Allah if he doesn't have it? So, the balance is that a person does not abandon the things of the dunya, but rather, he uses them to acquire the akhirah. And at the same time, he does not get lost in these things either. <laughs> 